Hey, what's up, Storm Freaks? It's Phil, and we've got a special two-for-one show tonight. We're celebrating Women in Science Day with Weather Channel meteorologist Jen Carfagno. They're interested in science and they're curious, and that's really what I want most for them, is to have that that science mind and to wonder about the world around them, wonder why things happen or don't happen. Um, And it doesn't have to be about the weather, but I think that kind of... um, sort of problem-solving mindset is useful no matter what they decide to do. We've also got storm chaser Justin Sneed here to celebrate Black History Month. It's giving creative people a new way to sell their work, and I am always looking for another way to diversify my streams of income. And there's more hashtag weather fools and a return of our porn star or storm chaser game. All this packed into episode 151, of the Stormfront Freaks. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got a boss. Hey, welcome everybody to the most entertaining weather podcast. This is the award-winning Stormfront Freaks podcast. Uh, thanks to our Patreon members that support the show uh, and, and those of our Patreon members that are joining us live tonight uh, in the stream uh, or our VIPs here in the, in the green room, uh, you can join our team at uh, patreon.com slash stormfrontfreaks and be live in the chat or on the show with our guests. Um, it is always happy hour if you're not familiar with the show. It's happy hour every time we record this show. It actually is normally in the evening, so that's okay, but sometimes it's not, and it's still happy hour. But it is a great way to find out uh, which of our co-hosts happen to be joining us tonight. Um, So I'm going to start with, uh, drum roll, no, I'm going to start with uh, Serena Arnold, our former meteorologist at the Mount Washington Observatory. Serena, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I have another weather beer. I know everyone's going to be very mm. surprised. This is maybe a loose connection to weather. It's called Blizzy for Blizzard. Um, and it's mm-hmm. a fruited milkshake style beer. That's lovely. Mm. Do you like milkshake beers? Uh, I do because they okay. bring all the chasers to the yard. Oh, well played. Well played, Serena. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I don't get it, but but we're moving oh, on. Oh come on, um, no. Mark, hey, Dad, my Dad, flush on that hey, one. Listen, no, when please. I when I get in podcast mode, my my mind's not like my mind's focused on so many other things, and one of those is not trying to catch a joke. So what is what is it? I, I always catch them later. Like what I can't remember what it was. I'm not going to think about it now. But uh, and then we got Mark Maz Massaro, our former on camera meteorologist in Cincinnati. Maz, what do you got? I, in honor of Star Wars episode, uh, what, four? Cloud City. Oh, you can't see it, though. It's five. Oh. That's five. It's the five? Nerd in, the nerd in me says that's episode five, The Empire Strikes really? Back. You're right. It isn't three. I was thinking it's four, but it's five. Okay. It I believe five. you. It's Very good. nice. I like three that. Three weavers. Good stuff. Very good. All right. Uh, Jen Watson, our contributor at the Weather Channel. Jen, what uh, what do you got tonight? What are you drinking? Uh- so I actually have some work to do after this. So I've got some coffee, like a coffee, a hot chocolate, like mix. Wow. Right <laughs> I don't know if you've used that excuse yet, but I'll, but that's fine. As long as you keep coming up with new ones, I'll, I'll accept it. That's, that's okay. 
Um, and then we got uh, Greg Johnson, our storm chaser and photographer. Greg, what are you drinking? In my red solo cup, I have a drink called Soul on Ice. And um, this is in honor of uh, the women's Olympic gold medal hockey game, which was last night. Uh, uh, this has got one ounce of Kentucky bourbon. And then I've layered over top of it an ounce of Canadian whiskey. Sure. Because the ca- Canadians, Canadians beat the Americans in the uh, in the gold medal game. Anyway, I'm just saying I, I the, that's what I call it is soul on ice. And uh, anyway, it's delicious. Very good, very good. <laughs> well, hey, I do want everybody to know it's uh, Women in Science Day. It was February 11th. Uh, it's that day every year, surprisingly. But uh, it's an opportunity really to celebrate not only women in science, but for us to celebrate women in weather. And if, if you're a regular listener of our show, you're, you're familiar with the fact that we always, it's something we always like to celebrate. Uh, and so we've got a special guest returning to the show tonight. Maz, can you uh, do yeah. the honors? She's back. We love her. She's awesome. Jen Carfagno, on-camera meteorologist with the Weather Channel. If you didn't know that, where the heck have you been, guys? Come on. She earned her bachelor's degree in meteorology from Penn State University back in 1998. And later that year, she joined the Weather Channel as a full-time forecaster and has been there ever since. Welcome, Jen. And how the heck did you graduate and go to the Weather Channel? I know, right? I mean, and, and I'm still here and I, there's really nowhere else I want to go because I love it so much at the Weather Channel. Um, but yeah, you guys, thank you, thank you for having me back on your podcast. I had such a great time the first time and so it's so good to be back. I think, um, I guess I have to start with what I'm drinking. Is that? Yes. It works. And so um, I don't go to bed as early as I used to because my show is a little bit later, but I still go to bed pretty early. So it's a light gin and sparkling water. So I've got gin, um, a gray whale gin. It's a um, Washington state gin. And the sparkling water I'm using is liquid death. Did you guys see the Super Bowl commercial with this? Oh, wow. No. So I got this last summer, actually, because my filter on my fridge broke and I needed some, I needed bottled water. So I tried all these different kinds and I spent like $40 on shipping to get this liquid death because I thought it was so fascinating. And it death to thirst is what their tagline was. Um, it's fine. It's, it's water. Water? But at the Super Bowl, on the Super Bowl commercial, they changed the tagline to be death to plastic. Which oh, I wow. And I thought it was interesting that they became so big. I mean, nobody knew about them last summer and all of a sudden they've got a spot on the Super Bowl. So anyway, that that plus lime in my beverage. Bill. All right. So I, I just quick interruption. So it's water. It's this is just water. And then I've got gin and lime in my here. God. No, it's forty dollars. It's, it's, it's like it it water, right? Yeah, yeah, a six pack. But I mean, it was a lot to ship it. But I was wow. so fascinated Looks by like it. 40. So, you know, I thought the kids here, let me, I thought the kids would like drinking this as opposed to soda, right? Because it's a cool can and it looks like it's something special. <laughs> it's just water. <laughs> That's amazing. I need to get some. So Jen, can you not find them in regular stores? Well, now you can at, at Target, but you couldn't last summer. They were. I just stumbled on it on some blog and I was like, well, this is kind of cool. So um, they have is it just like in, in the water have- bottle aisle. Uh, just like what the specialty things are, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh my this God, segment so brought cool, to you by man. Kroger and Walmart. And <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I mean, I paid for this. So there's obviously no sponsorship happening here. <laughs> you you single handedly paid for the Super Bowl commercial with shipping. <laughs> so on that. I know. Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, so tell you got to tell me. <clears throat> so you graduate, you go there. Are you just like at the Weather Channel day one, enamored, going, "Hi, oh my gosh!" I mean, how how is day one? And then what's it like now? Well, just the internship. And that's how I really got to the Weather Channel was um, I interned my the summer between my junior and senior years. I went to Penn State. One of my professors encouraged me to apply for the internship. And I thought, no way, you know, no way would I get that or anybody, right, who gets to work at the Weather Channel. And uh, I applied and it was a pretty rigorous interview process, but I got it. And then and then once I got there, I mean, that was really the um the first moment where I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. Just driving into the parking lot and looking for all, you know, the famous meteorologists that I knew and watched on TV, like Jim Cantori and Mark Mancuso, um, Janetta Jones, um, Vivian Brown, Dave Schwartz. I mean, like they they were all there and they were so approachable and so interested in helping me become a meteorologist. I mean, at that point, I didn't know if I would ever do on air. I was really had my eyes set on forecasting. I love forecasting and I still so- do. So explain to me, uh, internship day. Is it like, you know, get my dry cleaning, get some lattes. What, what's an internship like? I went to work. I worked a shift like anyone else. I, my first job as an intern was to, um, and this is back in the day before anything was digitized. So I would put labels on maps, like the partly cloudy, but the text that said partly cloudy, the sun, that kind of thing. And I mean, that was super exciting to me. And I would record it, be like, those are my labels. Look how well they're placed, you know? <laughs> um, but even um, like our temperature forecasting was, you know, it, it wasn't automated in any sense. We ha- we drew on a, a bit pad with a light pen and your temperature forecasting for like mountain locations was as good as your drawing of the mountains were, you know what I mean? So it all just extracted through the colors that you drew on the map. And so it was things like that. Oh my Jen, gosh. I, I have I have a question about uh, the the science aspect. So I have a uh, a daughter who recently graduated from high school. Um, in her graduating class, all of the award winners were women. Like they were all they were all females. And do you do you think the title shift in in STEM where you're seeing more women and and I, like, do they have better study habits or something? Because, like, they they just they they seem to be dominating uh, when it comes to all of the awards and stuff like that. It it wasn't an all girls school, was it, Craig? No, it was okay, not just, an all girls school. Just want... <laughs> it, it's interesting um, that you say that. Now I'm thinking back. I mean, in my class, we had about 40, 40 students total. I think my in my graduating class that year, and it was. Um, six or seven women. I mean, it really wasn't that yeah. many. Um, but there was a couple of us who bubbled up um, to the top. And just in terms of the like, study habits, I think there's definitely a drive when you're one of the few, like you 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 have even more determination to try to, to get through it. And as you guys all know, I mean, weather is hard. Meteorology is hard. There's a ton of math and science outside of learning how the weather works, which that's the fun part, right? But you got to get through calculus and physics and um, really all the engineering type classes. Um, but I think in general, um, there's just been a shift to get more women into science and there's a lot more support out there from fellow women and also from, you know, staff at universities and colleges. 
I love that, Jen. Jen, I would love to know um, your transition because how long have you been at the Weather Channel now? Has it been uh, almost, almost 24 years? It'll be 24 in June. That's amazing. Wow. Jen, that's mm -hmm. so incredible. So how long were you behind the scenes? And what was the transition like from behind the scenes to on camera? Was that terrifying? Were you just like, oh my gosh, this is national? Or was it just really amazing? I did a lot of things, actually. I was off camera in a regular like, non-on-camera job for, I guess it was six years. And I started full-time working in our data graphics department and doing some graphics and um, some forecasting, temperature forecasting, severe weather forecasting. But at that same time, that was when everything was developing in the dot-com world. So weather.com had really just started. We were trying to figure out how to automate more of our forecast product. If you watch the Weather Channel, you were getting one forecast on TV, a different forecast on your local on the gates so that came from the national weather service and then you get a different forecast on weather.com and they were not all the same and so there was a big push to try to get that together so i joined another department strategy and science and um i wasn't really supporting on air anymore it was more about trying to figure out how to make these products that you know would be part of the more of the industry the weather industry and at the same time trying to figure out how can we get warnings to people in an automated way like to your pager and that was really exciting when I was on the team that figured out how to automate the tornado warnings to pagers. And uh, can you imagine not getting it automatically? I, I remember the days when we, <laughs> you didn't get it automatically. Can, can right. you imagine pagers? Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> we didn't carry cell phones, um, you know, routinely. Um, and so, but during that time when I was in the strategy and science group, I also started an apprenticeship at the Weather Channel. And so I worked my regular um, five day a week job. And then on top of that, I do a weekend night overnights and just try forecasting on, you know, on camera. And I did that for five years. Um, and I finally gave up because it was a lot of fun, but it turned into a six day work week every single week. And it was tiring. It was overnight. Right. And I, I liked the other job too. And so I was actually going back to school to get my MBA and I had started an executive program at Emory and Finally, I just couldn't take that plus doing the apprenticeship and I pulled out of the apprenticeship and then they said, well, how about we offer you a full time on camera gig as the travel analyst on First Outlook? And so then I was like, OK, we'll put college aside until later. That's oh so awesome. That's I love that. Played out. I love the science and strategy side of it. You know, those things that happen behind the scenes where like greatness is achieved and a lot of people yeah. don't see, you know, so when you're looking at it at the world today, at the forecasting world and, and forecasting severe storms and the technology and the automation and everything. What's what's next? What needs to happen next? What do people need to change next with that sort of science and strategy hat? Yeah, I think, and I, I mean, I'd love to hear what you guys think too. I think it's more about the communication of uncertainty and figuring out how to reach people better. We know so much about the weather, but yet it's, it's boiled down to one number, one snowfall total, one chance of rain, is it yes or no? And it's not a yes or no answer to any of these things. And so we have to figure out how to better communicate that so that people really do understand how much we know about the weather, how much we can communicate and use it in the right way. I mean, how often do people tell you it was a busted forecast because it didn't rain at three o'clock, but it rained at six, you know what I mean? So there's, there's more we have to, I feel like, communicate. Oh my gosh, you just like pulled at every one of my heartstrings because that's such, <laughs> it is, it's something I believe in so much in a time where our forecast accuracy is better than it has ever been before. 
forecasts are perceived as incorrect, I feel like more so than ever before and how much social media plays into that. And like you said, having to bring everything back to, to one number and one graphic is the biggest Achilles heel in all of this. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. I, I feel like a lot, I've seen some uh, places actually have multiple seven day forecasts just because of the variation of like the region, especially when I used to work in North Alabama. I mean, you could have like a 10, 12 degree temperature difference. So I, I love that you're doing that. And Jen, something that um, I love seeing is that when you do fun experiments at home, your daughters get to join you on, on air and on TV. Are they into meteorology and weather or are they not? Because I have a little daughter as well and I try to encourage her to get into weather, but hopefully she'll she'll get into weather, but we'll see. They roll their eyes at the weather a lot because I talk about it so much, but they definitely absorb it because they will walk around um, when they hear it's an east wind. They're like, oh, mommy hates the east wind. It's going to be a bad day. I mean, they, they have learned a lot about the weather. They um, certainly, I think, absorb things that I talk about, but they're interested in science and they're curious. And that's really what I want most for them is to have that, that science mind and to wonder about the world around them, wonder why things happen or don't happen. Um, and it doesn't have to be about the weather, but I think that kind of um, sort of problem solving mindset is useful no matter what they decide to do. Um, but they do enjoy the experiments and they really enjoyed actually the process of learning how to put one of those segments together because, you know, we had a little clapper so they could start and stop all the, the different segments and the, the pieces of the shoot. Um, and they couldn't, they could not imagine like that we would have to do some of those takes so many times to get the timing down just right and get the right shot. And we were doing it at home with no, you know, can't no cameraman. It was just a couple of iPhones set up and, you know, a couple of ring lights. So um, I think they really appreciated learning the process of it too. Oh and God. this segment is brought to you by iPhone. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, true. so what ages are your kids? Uh, 15 and 12. Oh, okay. Those are, those are good ages. Now, does the 15 year old, is she, what, is she the one that's more into the sciencey stuff or is it the younger one? And how does the older one affect the younger one? Cause those are interesting ages to be. Yeah. I made them both do science fair all the way through elementary school because honestly I miss science fair. So I was just, I wanted to do it. Um, and the older one was all into it and we'd sit and we'd brainstorm ideas and she would want to do every piece of the project. And the younger one, the, the one that is 12 now, you know, it was like, let's, it's like pulling teeth, trying to figure out what is something that would interest her that, you know, that we would do that she would do most of it. Um, but I think um, both of them definitely have that, uh, that curious mind, you know, once we got into it and even these experiments we did for the weather, once we started doing it and they saw how it, it actually mirrored something that happened in real life. They were like, it clicked, you know, and that's, I think that's the beauty of science, right? Um, it, when you understand it and when you see the connection to the real world, it really makes everything just click together. It is. That's so true, Jen. And that's so amazing. And I have to ask you really quick too, you are the dew point queen. And I would love to know where, like how that started, because anytime you're on camera and we talk about the dew points, everyone points to you and talks about you. So how did that get started? <laughs> I know that um, that nickname, Dewpoint Diva, actually was the nickname um, that Jeff Morrow gave to me. And him and I were teamed up for a couple of years. We used to do the early show, um, started at 4 a.m. back then. And he, he just 
he would get on me about talking about dew points so much. And I'd be like, but, but Jeff, they just matter like severe weather forecasting or fire danger or the wedge in Atlanta. And, you know, it, over time, it just became really just a personal sort of, um, little fun thing we did behind the scenes and then it you know it went to air and then one time he called me the dew point diva on air and it just stuck and so that's where that is <laughs> oh my god that's such a great story jen but i really I do believe that it is the most undervalued piece of data out there to the general public it's like my personal goal i want people to look and when they see the temperature they need to ask but what is the dew point yes exactly <laughs> i couldn't you agree more you Absolutely. think that's because it's so hard for the public to to perceive and understand like the general public? Well, I actually think it's because they've been told the relative humidity all of their lives. And so that's all they know. And so like if you start from the beginning and talk about dew point, you know, when you start, you know, the weather forecast, a child, <laughs> that's how they learn to understand the weather. Then I think it, you know, becomes second nature, right? I mean, we all know that a seven degree dew point is air that gives you a hug, as I like to describe it. And, you know, when the dew point is in the 20s, you're putting on chapstick left and right. So, Jen, tell us about your, what's the new show? You got a new time slot. You kind of moved around. I mean, it was funny because I was looking, just recently here, I was looking back at social media on some things because uh, I was trying to look to see if there was like an announcement or something. But I noticed everybody was like, where's Jen? Did she leave the weather channel? Oh, no. What happened to Jen? <laughs> So what happened? Tell yeah. us tell us what went down. Yeah, now. I'll give you the, the scoop. So uh, Jim Cantorian, Stephanie Abrams, and I were together for about six years on America's Morning Headquarters. And um, the Weather Channel decided to extend that brand, America's Morning Headquarters, all the way till noon. And so um, I got a new opportunity with Alex Wallace to host the second half of that. So the first half is still um, Stephanie and Jim, and Jordan Steele has joined them. And he, um, he came to us for Quibi, Jordan. And so then when, when Quibi ended, um, him and I were working together on the, the early part of American Morning Headquarters. So he joins now, Steph and Jim, and then Alex Wallace and I do the second part from nine to noon. Um, and it's great. I mean, we're having a lot of fun on the show. Um, I really like what we're able to do with it, which is try to make it more conversational and involve the viewers more, but we have more time to spend on interviews. And, you know, it's editorially, him and I have a lot of um, input as to, you know, what interviews do we want to do? What topics do we want to cover? And so um, I've been enjoying it. And so you, get you to do sleep it later. <laughs> and I get to sleep yeah, later. Yeah. <laughs> That's huge. So, what, so, so uh, one thing here before we uh, consider going to break. So, you do interviews. What is, give us a tip. What's a tip? What's something you've learned about having interviews with people or questions you can ask? that you could pass along and we could learn from you. Oh, well, there's, I mean, it's, it's always about <laughs> for us. I mean, they're, they're the science, you know, or weather related topic, but ultimately um, something that connects with what I think the viewers would ask, you know, like I try not to ask too many questions that are all sciencey and inside baseball, but you know, what would, what would my kids ask? Honestly, that's what I think most of the time. Which makes sense. I think that's really good. So, uh, do us a favor and, and let people know how they can follow you on social media and, and kind of keep up with what's going on. Yeah. So you can follow me on all the socials. It's it's at Jen Carfagno at, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, too, although I'm not very active there yet. Oh, and, you're on TikTok. Well, wow. Stephanie's trying <laughs> to make me one, but I'm trying. TikTok is a lot of work. Uh, it yeah. is. It really is. 
But I love that you're doing that, Jen. I'm excited to see what you do. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> we're trying. Well, very good. So I, I think we were talking about this here uh, before we went live. We were talking about some of the severe weather uh, right now down in the southeast. And, and actually, uh, uh, here in Ohio, we were getting a lot of flooding. We're, we're in a flood warning right now because there's so much rain uh, coming in. But uh, with the Drive Weather app, you'll, you're always going to know the weather uh, along your route as you travel through it, which is great. So you can avoid hitting the freeway during heavy rain and thunderstorms by using a little departure slider on the bottom of the app to kind of decide, hey, if I leave at this time, what's the weather going to be like at each point along my route when I get there? And so you might find out that uh, if you leave a little bit later, you'll avoid the rain, which means you might avoid the heavy traffic. So the free version, it allows up to an 850-mile trip. And if you use it once, I'm telling you, you're, you're going to want it all year long. It's been an amazing app for me when I take long trips uh, just to kind of know what to expect and if I should maybe adjust uh, my departure time a little bit. You can find Drive Weather in your Apple or Google store, or you can visit driveweatherapp.com for the official travel weather app of the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Hey, it's time for a break. Uh, go ahead and grab another drink, and we'll be right back with Storm Chaser guest Justin Sneed. Tornado Titans is where we capture incredible skies, and we teach you to do it too. It's coming right for us. Get ready for the Titan U Minute. Hey, everyone. It's Sanner. I've got a bone to pick with storm lovers today, which brings me to today's topic, weather models. Now look, I get it. Forecasting is way easier these days thanks to weather models and how available they are to the general public, but there are limitations to what models can truly do. It's easy to get wrapped up in what models are saying, so much so that you might miss out on what is otherwise a pretty easy forecast. So today, I want to talk to you about a couple of ways you can supplement models to get a good idea about what will be later today. First off, make checking surface observations a part of your morning routine. It seems obvious, but knowing what is will help you decide for what models are saying when they are modeling what could be. Models oftentimes miss important details and surface ops that can make or break a chase day. Another thing to keep a constant eye on is satellite. Unless there is thick, serious, and rest in peace your chase day if so, satellite images are a great way to keep track of storm development up to a couple of hours before the first raindrops form. Often, in the areas of greatest convergence along boundaries, you'll see the first signs of storm development pretty often. And lastly, something I always do is check out the morning soundings across your target area. These will always let you know how stout the cap actually is, and sometimes you'll even notice models changing their outputs pretty dramatically based upon what these soundings are saying. Models are as only as good as the data being ingested into them, after all. We have a lot of educational materials on TornadoTitans.com. That's TornadoTitans.com. Come check out Titan U, where you can learn all about storms, storm spotting, and you can watch us chase from the comfort of your home. Visit us at TornadoTitans.com. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. 
The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey, welcome back to the show. Uh, everybody, just so you know, February is Black History Month. And similar to uh, celebrating women in weather, we want to celebrate people of color in weather and encourage more diversity in this amazing field. Um, to me, it's just the, the more difference and, and more diversity you get in whatever you're doing, the, the better the ideas are always going to be and the better the thoughts and the better the, the methods. And, and it, it just it creates and opens eyes for more people. Um, but none better to inspire that our next guest, uh, Justin Sneed. Justin is an established storm chaser and photographer who comes from the Southeast United States. Uh, he's actually coming, us, uh, coming to us tonight from Northern uh, United States. But as a biracial traveling healthcare professional, his time in the operating room has taught him the patience required when it comes to forecasting and chasing severe weather. So Justin, welcome to the show. I, I, I'm curious... What or who inspired you to get involved in storm chasing? Well, I want to say thank you guys for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on talking with you all. Uh, as far as who inspired me, I, there wasn't actually a person who inspired me. I was actually driving back to work. I was working as a contract in New Orleans, Minnesota, where I'm at right now, four years ago. And a, uh, I saw a storm cloud off in the distance. And growing up in South Carolina, we never, we get severe weather, but it's, thunderstorms, you know, pop up thunderstorms, they die, and then it's just hot and muggy outside. So I'm kind of looking at this storm and I see it starting to rotate and then my phone goes off and there's a tornado warning and I'm like, kind of get into this. This is pretty fun. And that kind of inspired uh, my journey into storm photography. I had been looking into photography for uh, probably about two years before then. And uh, it was just a, a great experience seeing that for the first time and not having a clue as to what I was looking at, but knowing that it was an area that I really wanted to get into. You said Minnesota. What did you say? Wall, Minnesota? Uh, Wasika, Minnesota. Oh, Wasika. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born yeah, in right off of, uh, yeah. Highway 14. Yeah, I, I definitely heard the Minnesota accent you had there, you know? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Justin, like, um, were you into photography before the storm thing, or is that something that came about because you're like, Hey, I've got to record this. I got to share what I'm seeing. Uh, or was it, you know, something that you were always into? Yeah. So about two years prior to that, I had, uh, picked up my first camera, which was, I think it was a Nikon D5200. And I had a buddy in Jacksonville, Florida, who was doing concert photography and, looking at his work, I was inspired to do concert photography. I just picked up this camera and I knew I was going to be at these rock festivals and right in front of the pit, taking pictures of the crowd and then taking pictures of all of these uh, metal bands. And I quickly discovered that was not going to happen. I'm not a people person per se. So I, uh, so I ended up kind of looking for different genres of photography to get into. And I, I kind of started going into the landscape photography and you know, kind of doing astrophotography and general landscape stuff, you know, sunrises, sunsets, but that just, it never really 
it never really sparked any interest within my soul. And, you know, as a photographer, your camera is an extension of your soul. It's an extension of you as a person, your photography, the actual camera itself, it goes with you everywhere. So it wasn't until I was in front of that cloud outside of Waseca, Minnesota, that I was like, I don't know what this is, but I know it's what I need in my life. That's amazing. That's kind of beautiful. Tell us a little bit more about, um, you know, in your intro, Phil was saying that what you learned in the operating room and, and how it applies. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I've been, I've been an operating room tech and an LPN for the past 11 years, 11 to 12 years. And uh, I've seen a lot of different things come into the operating room. Um, I've helped bring newborn, bring babies into this world. And I've also seen people die on the operating room table. So you have to be able to factor in a lot of emotions in different amounts of times in a hospital setting, especially in the operating room and the emergency room. Um, I think that being able to handle all of those types of emotions, especially when we have traumas coming in where somebody's life is on the line and you're working with people of different personalities, different backgrounds, but you're all coming together at that one moment to help save a life, either bring a life into the world or save a life potentially. I think that being able to work under pressure has helped me be able to storm chase because when it comes to storm chasing, things can get very chaotic. And when things get chaotic, we tend to get reactive instead of proactive, which Sometimes that's not the great, not the best thing that you want. You don't want to get reactive and then all of a sudden find yourself in a very bad situation when you're out storm chasing. So I think that being able to calm myself naturally and when we get into a bad situation, just be able to look and within 20 seconds figure out what I need to do and then execute it helps me to be a better storm chaser and to stay safe out there, especially with the storm chaser convergence that we have nowadays in states such as, uh, such as Texas and Oklahoma. So, Justin, do you have do you have an experience that you can share where storm chasing, where you, maybe you came upon something that was you know tragic, or you know uh, a tornado or a storm that uh, really kind of stuck with you? Over uh, it seems like you cut out there a little bit, Greg. Um, oh, I was just—I was just saying. Do you have like a, a story about a, a tornado or a storm that? By the <laughs> way, you I think you got the question right, Justin. That's how he yeah. normally talks, though. That's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got the question. Uh, I can't say that while I was actively chasing, I've ever come across a situation where you know I've had something impactful stick with me in terms of damage or loss of life. But um, last year in December, when the tornadoes went through Arkansas and, uh, you know, the famous tornado went through Arkansas and Kentucky and hit Mayfield and some other towns, I was actually able to go and donate some items to the town of Mayfield. And seeing that destruction, just the level of just complete um, just carnage ripped through that town, it was, it was absolutely... I, I don't know how to really explain it. It was something that was surreal at the time, but something that I kind of felt like I needed to see and kind of prepare myself for because it's a different kind of trauma. Like from me working in the operating room to seeing this potentially happen when I'm out storm chasing, it's completely different. So 
I felt like I really needed to see that. And then just being able to drop off these supplies and seeing that even though these people's town had been completely leveled, they were still in good spirits. Everybody's smiling and happy and very appreciative of being able to survive this tornado. Um, I think that was something that really stuck with me. And on future chases, if I ever have to go into uh, rescue, uh, rescue mode, I'm able to kind of see what they've already been through and know that the help that I'm providing is going to be really, they're going to really enjoy that. So beyond the, the normal supplies, you know, we need water, we need, you know, the regular emergency stuff. What, what do you feel like people are really appreciative of seeing that, oh, that most people wouldn't have thought to bring that and donate it? Uh, the one thing that they told me was immediately when people, you know, think about donating items, it's what you said, water, uh, food, blankets, especially in the winter time with a situation like that. But the one thing that they did not receive a lot of were was uh, feminine products and baby products, baby food, uh, baby clothes, baby bottles, things of that nature. So luckily I called ahead and I kind of asked, okay, what's kind of a priority thing that you need? Um, and I was able to provide a lot of baby products to that town, which they desperately needed at that time. I love that, Justin. Um, and just, it's so interesting to hear that too, because I've heard that usually people think, you know, socks, clothing, water, which is so important, but there's other things too, like basic needs um, that need to be covered. So, and I, I love, you know, that you help them out in the communities and bring those to them. Uh, I'm interested in like your experience storm chasing. Have you ever found yourself in like a life or death situation where you realized, wow, I made a mistake. I shouldn't be here in this area or kind of miscalculated. And, you know, how did you survive and, you know, do your best to get into a better spot? Uh, well, I can't say that I've ever been in an immediate life or death situation. We came pretty close to it last year, uh, just south of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, we ended up on a storm that was actually ahead of the cold front, and it just ended up blowing up into this huge monster. It laid down a tornado just to the west of I-29, and uh, me and my buddy were heading down south of Sioux Falls. We were getting ready to intercept it. Like I said, the tornado warning is going off had a major hook echo on the uh, on radar and we're getting ready to go east. And then I don't know why, but I made the bonehead move to try and go south a little bit too fast. And I remember us making that turn and then like all these things kind of came together at the same point to where it was like, we went two miles south and I got another radar update. And I'm like, I look at my storm chasing partner, man. I'm like, we've got to head east. The storms become deviant. It might be laying down a tornado and it sped up a little bit as well. So we're like watching it come and we decided to go ahead and get east a little bit further because I didn't want to take the chance of us getting getting rolled with the storm. Um, so we ended up in the outer bands of the circulation of uh, the bear's cage. And I don't think it laid down anything that was east of the interstate, luckily, but we ended up in probably 95 mile per hour straight, like just straight line winds from the RFD, just wrapping around, surging into the storm. and. We got to end up going back up that road and there were there was just cornfields laid down, grain silos destroyed, ton of trees knocked over. But luckily it was straight line winds and we knew that. So even though it was chaotic at that time, um, again, going back to that operating room experience, it was kind of like, OK, I see we may be in danger. What do I need to do to get us out of this situation and being able to do that, navigate and 
being able to get out of that situation is something that I definitely kind of stress to newbies coming into storm chasing because there's there are a lot of new people coming into it and you don't want to see them get hurt or you know just munched by uh hp supercell because you a lot of them have seen that you recommend chasing with someone and not by yourself like phil right <laughs> uh i would say for anybody coming into storm chasing definitely definitely chase with somebody who's had experience because you can get yourself into a situation where danger is right around the corner. You have no idea what you're looking at. And then a tornado is right on top of you. So, so on that note, <laughs> <laughs> all right, go um, for it. so you're, you're relatively Justin, you relatively new to chasing, right? I mean, this isn't something you've been doing your whole life and you have come up with some amazing photography you have caught some amazing storms. I, I'm, I'm more impressed now, if that's even possible, than I was before. So where did you learn the, the forecasting? Like, like where or who did you learn that from? And what are your go-to, um, whether it's models or websites or whatever, what, what's your go-to for your forecasting? Yeah, so as far as who did I learn from, uh, the person who I have to thank for that is Chris Jackson down in South Carolina. Um, I got lucky and the hospital that I originally worked at, I worked with his girlfriend and uh, we remained friends on Facebook even after I started traveling as a nurse. That's how I've been able to work in states like Minnesota, Iowa, and Wyoming, et cetera, et cetera. But um, she saw me posting a couple of pictures on Facebook and she reached out to me and was like, hey, I see you're kind of interested in some storm chasing things. And uh, my boyfriend, Chris, is going to be chasing in Wichita, Kansas. So they ended up flying into Wichita. We ended up, my very first storm chase with them, we ended up chasing from Wichita down to like Des Moines, New Mexico, and then back through the Texas Panhandle. When the line, the, the actual setup ended up being late. So it was a nighttime setup. And um, it, was, it was fun and exciting. We didn't get to see much. I didn't get to have my camera out, but it was at that point that I was like very hooked on storm chasing. Um, but I definitely have to credit Chris for not only teaching me the basics of forecasting, but also just making sure that I stayed safe out there and making sure that I was always either positioning myself in terms of safety, making sure I have multiple escape routes or uh, knowing how to storm spot. And then uh, as far as like learning more and more on to what I've learned from the basics, there's a couple of different people. Uh, my buddy, Matt Holloman, uh, my friend, Jen Walton, my buddy, David Baxter, they've all been instrumental in me being able to grow as a storm chaser and learning how to forecast. And that's still taking place today because I, I know I'm not going to be a meteorologist. <laughs> you know, I can never be an, a Jen. I can never do that, but I can hopefully be able to forecast enough to where I can still take beautiful photography and uh, be able to share that with the world. So what, so what is your go-to to kind of follow up with that? What, what are you looking at on storm day or day or two before uh, to kind of try to identify your target? Yeah, so usually I'm using uh, SPC's mesoanalysis and honestly just watching the surface ops. Um, I do use the HRRR and anamnes to try and, you know, kind of pinpoint areas of interest a day or two beforehand. But the day of, I'll take a look at the models the day of just to see if they're still lining up with consistency. But then I start going to the surface ops. Um, you know, like Reed says, you got to follow the moisture returns. 
Um, a great example of that was last year out in Oklahoma in October, where a lot of people ended up heading north into Kansas or northern Oklahoma, and there wasn't a there wasn't any moisture up there. So I was like, why go up there when the moisture's not even at fifty? You know, and it's not Colorado. We're not chasing a upslope uh, play right now. So we ended up staying down south of I forty, and we ended up having a beautiful supercell that ended up coming up north from Childers, Texas, and. We were able to actually get some pretty decent structure on it for about 30 minutes before it just turned into an HP mess and dropped a tornado by Clinton, North Oklahoma, right before, right after sunset. So Jen, that was a pretty Jen good chase. Carfagno would probably be agreeing with you on the dew point. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to comment. I was like, yes, you see why dew points are important. Yes, no, I... Every the atmosphere always points to where it's going to make things happen, yes. and the points kind of like lead that corridor right up there. It really does. It really does. And I'm a huge believer in using surface ops to forecast the day of versus um, using the HRRR and the NAM nest and other various you know models to try and guess where a storm's going to be because oftentimes those models are not right. And looking at satellite imagery and surface ops are very crucial and beneficial to a storm chaser out there in the field in real time. Can I ask and a no question? One um, and it's not related to forecasting, but um, it's a segment I've been wanting to do on the Weather Channel for a while, which is about storm chasers and NFTs, the non-fungible <laughs> tokens. I've seen a few storm chasers posting images for sale, and yes. I'm very curious about it. And if this is a, a trend that you think that you'll be, you know, become a part of or and or become big. Uh, so I'm already a part of it. I was a, uh, I was actually the first storm chaser to sell an NFT in the United States. Um, I, I've been a part of that scene for about the past year now, and it's been very beneficial to me. And um, honestly, I think that the future of NFTs are very bright. Um, I think it allows people who are wanting to collect art to really connect with the artist, because a lot of times we end up talking back and forth with the person who's collected from us. And we're able to ask them, okay, why have you bought this from us? And you know, they'll tell us either whether or not they're resonating, they are resonating with the work itself, and that's just why they wanted it, or if they see potential in us to have a very bright future in what we're doing, whether or not that's storm chasing, doing general landscape photography, things of that nature. Um, it's able, it's giving creative people a new way to sell their work, and I am always looking for another way to diversify my streams of income um you know being a person of color we we don't have that accessibility usually when we're growing up we we don't know about being able to diversify our income streams having passive income buying real estate those were things that i was never taught as a kid so i've been incredibly blessed to be able to not only storm chase but to learn other things in life that have helped me and then to be able to pass that on to my family and start that trend of generational wealth, because that's what's going to help us as a community grow together. It's not, you know, having a month or having a day, whatever. It's being able to have the same accessibility of resources as other people. And that's going to take a long time to build. But I do think that it's going to be done. And I do think that NFTs can be a part of that, especially for an artist. Where can we purchase your NFTs, Justin? Uh, so I am on a few uh, websites. Uh, OpenSea is where I have my 
collection called the Supercellular Collection. Um, basically, that collection is kind of a curated, it's kind of a curated portfolio of each year's storm chases. So I'll probably have 10 to 15 different pictures on OpenSea for my uh, for that each year. So they'll probably drop around September, October-ish, depending on when I wrap up my season. Um, I'm also on Foundation, and then I just got on Super Rare, which is a highly curated platform and was able to sell three NFTs last week. So it's been a very it's been a very productive past month for me. I was able to pay for my storm chasing season just this last year. And I'm looking forward to the future now and being able to build and not having to stress about bills or working and truly being able to chase full time, which is great. Great. I can see Greg's uh, mind just kind of <laughs> ching ching. See a little bit of the ching, smoke kind of just coming the, out of there. Yeah. You know, listen, the NFT thing is, uh, you know, a, a lot of people who are listening right now are thinking to themselves, yeah, no, though, this NFT thing is going to be a big deal. And then the other half are going, what the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> and I think that's part of the thing where, you know, it's so like, Justin, you're obviously an early adopter on this. Mm-hmm. And and that's going to be a huge benefit. Um, but it, it, just for the layperson, explain what an NFT is. Yeah. So an NFT is basically a digital asset. So instead of you going into the stock market and let's say you're buying a piece of Microsoft's stock, uh, you can buy a piece of art from an artist and then you can actually go and resell that art for hopefully a higher value later down the road down the road. So you're, you're essentially placing your bets in that the artist is going to be able to provide further value for their work later on. Now, how are they providing that value? Well, there are many different ways to do that. So the NFT itself, it doesn't have to be just a digital thing. You can actually put tangible items with it. With my supercellular collection, what I like to do is I will raffle off a storm tour giveaway with each curated drop. So once a year, when that collection goes live, I give it a week and then whoever spot pieces from me, they're entered into a raffle to come out storm chase with me. Um, this past year, my collection sold out within two months. Um, majority of it sold out within the first week and I was able to raffle off a tour to an actual buddy of mine who uh, he's always wanted to storm chase and he was like, well, I was already going to buy a piece. Hopefully I can win. And then he ended up winning, surprisingly. And he's excited now to come out and chase and kind of see what we get into because it's, again, it's a totally different thing than general landscape photography or astrophotography or things of that nature. It's it's a whole different world. And he's he's pumped. He's stoked for it. I, I keep wondering if I can get some NFTs for my baseball card collection, but I'm I'm thinking probably not. Doesn't work you that way. You may be it? able to. Hey, I don't. I don't know of anybody who's made a uh, baseball card NFT collection. Er, so. Early adopter, baby. Early adopter. <laughs> hey, before we go to break, Justin, I, I always ask our our great photographers for the schmucks like me um, talking iPhones because or, or any phone cameras, right? These things have gotten unbelievable. Uh, each each uh, new model just has more uh, ability and more ways to edit and and everything else. G- give us uh, give us give me right a, a good tip. What's a good tip with my my phone, man? What can I do with my phone uh, when I'm out storm chasing? Uh, I would say for me, I'm always trying to look for a good foreground. 
if you can find a nice good soybean field or a wheat field get low and make sure you get some of that foreground in there get a little bit of that sky in there you want to create as much depth as possible either depth or scale when it comes to storm photography but that's pretty hard because where are you getting your storms in the midwest where there's nothing but dirt fields and the occasional abandoned house so trying to find those two things can really be beneficial to you even on your iphone and i mean i've got an iphone 13 and the 13 pro or whatever it is and this thing's a monster i mean i don't know if i really need a dslr right now very good well hey and here's the other thing so are you familiar with the stormies the the storm photos of the year contest Yes, I am. My buddy Tim Baca won last year, actually. Yes, he did. Uh, so stormphotocontest.com. So this is the second year they're doing it. I was going to ask you, if did you enter last year? I did not enter last Are year. Are you entering this year? I am considering it. Okay. <laughs> I have not yet. Um, I know a lot of people look at my work, and I'm not technically perfect with my photography. That's kind of how I've always been. But where I kind of falter and technicalities I make up for in mood and being able to convey emotion, which is a very hard thing for photographers to do. Um, and I think that's been very beneficial to my work. You know, very Jen nice. would ask you, do you love it? Do you still love it? Absolutely. It okay. never gets old. Right. Never. So, so what, what's cool is, so we've had an opportunity with um, stormphotocontest.com that the winners uh, we get them on the show uh, shortly after they win. So April 14th, we are going to have the winners of Storm Photography and Storm Photo of the Year uh, on the show. So, Justin, maybe he'll be back kind of early. Who knows if uh, if you put something in on that. But uh, tell our listeners, where, where can they find you on social media? You kind of already shared where they can find your work, but uh, how about you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at, at Traveler. Uh, same thing for Facebook. With Twitter, it's a little bit different. They don't allow enough characters for me to post the whole name. So it's Dreadlock Traveler, and the Traveler is abbreviated. So TVLR. Very good. So I don't know about you, but I'm I'm gearing up for our SFF, our Stormfront Freak Storm Chase in May. So uh, this is this will be the first time that I'm not chasing by myself. So it's going to be kind of weird. Those of you that are they're going to be with, it's going to be kind of awkward for me, but, uh, so we got a bunch of us that we're, we're going to go out chasing here in May. It's going to be a blast, but at helicity.co slash SFF, they've got a huge selection of weather and storm themed t-shirts and merchandise, including Stormfront uh, Stormfront Freaks t-shirts. Uh, you can get some SFF bev beverage containers. All you got to do is go to the exclusive site, helicity.co slash SFF, and you're going to earn 5% off your entire order. And while you're there, don't forget to click on the Brands tab, and you can find all your Stormfront Freaks favorites. Again, that's helicity.co slash SFF. Hey, it's time for our final break, but don't stop the podcast yet. Uh, hashtag WeatherFools and our Porn Star or Storm Chaser game uh, is up next. <laughs> I'm Stephanie Abrams with the Weather Channel, and you're listening to Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Let's take a drive under the moon. Let's take a drive under the somber sky. Let's take a drive under the moon. 
All right, it is time for Weather Fools. So <laughs> this is the part of the show where we highlight people who make maybe not the best decisions involving the weather, and we use these as an opportunity to learn from their mistakes. That's what I'm going to go with tonight, Greg. Why don't you kick it off and show us what we can learn this evening? All right, uh, this one comes from the Weather Channel. And their Instagram feed. And this is actually uh, a video of teens that had to be rescued because they fell through the ice. And you guys all know what happens this time of year. This is a total weather fool falling through the ice in St. Louis, Missouri. And look look at what they did. All these firefighters now are having to put their lives at risk. And uh, I just thought this was ridiculous and a perfect example of uh, weather fools. Oh, my gosh. Not only is it dangerous for them, but, yeah, they're putting all these firefighters' lives in danger, too. It's really, please don't do this, people. Right. And and what's interesting is that, as it says here, is that there happen to be firefighters nearby. And otherwise, this uh, story could have ended very differently. Yeah. Yeah. Jen, did you do a segment like this for the Weather Channel where you got like you fell, quote unquote, fell through ice and like had to get out? Yeah, no, but I went in a dry suit like those firefighters are. It's ridiculous. Even, you know, wearing a dry suit. So I'm not cold. I'm comfortable. I'm not wet. It is so hard to get out. And, you know, they they taught me like you have a minute where you're going to lose control. Everyone does, even the most in shape people. Then you have 10 minutes to get yourself out because then after that and that next one minute, your body's quickly going to, you know, start like succumbing to the cold water basically. And so you don't have a ton of time. I mean, they are so lucky that they happen to fall in where firefighters were training on how to get out of ice safely. It's, they have like, no but, idea how lucky but, they are. But Jen, why is it that at this time of year, every year there's some dumb who is you know going out on ice like stop it people i know why do people drive through floodwaters i mean there's there's so many questions like this we ask all the time like why what are we not saying correctly to get the message out well my next uh weather fool (laughs) hashtag weather fool is uh a little bit lighter this one is actually uh really funny because um this is a little dog trying to uh, get through the snow. Where are you going, Stewie? Stewie, come back. <laughs> Stewie, 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 come Stewie, back. Stewie, the little dashing, is trying to get through the snow. Oh, my God, Stewie, get He's back He's a dachshund. Here. He's trying to Oh, my God. All you see is little ears flopping. He's like 10 oh. inches tall. <laughs> He's so cute. Oh, my God. Oh. Look at him. So, anyway, that's my two weather fools. One, one full of dumb and one a cute dog. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's amazing. Thanks, Greg. Okay. So I will, uh, I'll share one that I have now. I will raise you on dumb asses and cute dog. This is kind of a weird one to describe. There's a flock oh. of birds that were flying over Mexico and no one can explain what happened, but they do that. Oh, oh I saw this. It's like and a they- microburst of it's birds. like a bird microburst. That's and a so great it's, description. Yeah, it's really crazy. I'll show it again. Um, and, and there's some theories as to what could have happened. Like maybe they flew through some like toxic air from a chemical plant downstream or something like that. But I can't help but wonder how much of it is like 
you know, clear air turbulence, you know, microburst, something like that. Dew points gone awry, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> something going on here. I feel like meteorologically that's very, very uh, unusual. So crazy birds. That's what I Dew have Dew points my... that kill at 11. <laughs> <laughs> right. The going theory is like there was a predator or something, you know, um, but I, I thought downdraft too, because like nothing else explains it. And I love the dew point theory. I think it was a gradient, a dew point gradient. That's what right. Happened. Exactly. Like messed up their little birdie navigation. I'm not sure. Poor guys. So, all right. So, uh, Phil, uh, show us what you got for weather fools. All right. So, my first one comes from uh, deep in the heart of Texas. And uh, when they, Dan Wallace, this one's for you. They got a little snow in Dallas and they're not, not quite sure what to do. So, someone grabs a, their Lamborghini. Uh, and, and, and a rope and someone else gets in a uh, laundry basket and they decide they're going to start sledding and, uh, pulling the guy in the laundry basket across the bridge. Oh my gosh. Look at that. There There you go. Texas. It is. I could see myself doing something like this. (laughs) (laughs) Can you get snow tires on a Lamborghini? So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, Justin, we always kid, like, each one of us could be weather fools pretty much any storm that happens to come through. So we're, we're humble enough to know that we're kind of all weather fools deep in, deep in our hearts. But uh, so that's the, the first one. The second one is, is some dude. I, I don't even know how I found this. Uh, Kurt <laughs> Wagoner says, uh, this is his tweet, says, still no one will hire me as a meteorologist. And wherever he is, it snowed. And this is a dude, this is a dude that, that has a straw hat, Jen Carfagno. I've, I think you've worn straw hats in the past, but probably not in the snow. And he's got a star spangled, uh, tank top on star spangled, uh, shorts. He's sitting in a lawn chair. And I think he's trying to give like a forecast or whatever, but he says, no one's going to hire me. No one's hiring me as a meteorologist. Like, why is that? <laughs> I Anybody? can hear his accent through the muted video. It's pretty good. <laughs> he looks absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Oh All my right. gosh. And then the, the last one, I shared this last episode. This oh was uh, Beach Mountain. Yes. <laughs> uh, Beach Mountain, there's a water pipe that burst uh, right under this, the, the t- ski lift, right? And yeah. w- what whatever happened is they basically paused s- some poor couple right over the broken water main and they're just sitting there uh, in their ski lift chair getting nailed by like this burst of of uh, what do you call that pressure wa- it's like a pressure washing machine massive pre- and they're sitting there they're dropping their skis and and what's happening is they're they're thinking of maybe jumping off but someone Move the the toe lift a little bit, and so now they're out, right? And so the l- last episode, that's kind of what I showed, and I said, well, there's another video that shows uh, a situation where they started the toe lift again, or uh, the the ski lift, <laughs> and oh, no. people people like saw this coming, right? And they're like, oh my god, it's coming, <laughs> and they go right through it, right? And then the next skier is like oh my god oh my god it's coming it's coming because they can't they can do nothing they're in that chair they can't do anything with it moving and it just takes them right through this burst of water (laughs) wow that one like he literally like was 
I mean, he could have fallen out of it that. It was holding up his chair. Well, the, the worst thing is, um, so they go through a few people, <laughs> right? Moving, moving the ski lift. And it's like person after person just gets caught in this water. And then they stop it again. Right when someone is over the water, they stop the ski lift. And they're just sitting there getting blasted by this water. And this person starts thinking, I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump. And so they they throw their skis down. They start positioning themselves in the ski lift like they're going to turn around, you know, and kind of jump off a little bit. And so they're they're almost hanging from the chair. Gosh. And then what happens? happens is after they've just been blasted with this water for minutes upon minutes um i gotta fast forward here a little bit they they finally start moving the ski lift again while this guy's hanging off the chair oh my god now he doesn't know how to get back up on the chair (laughs) it's just a mess it is an absolute mess that's so bad this is a weather gone viral type of uh, it is it oh, reminded man. me though of like you know when you're on one of those lazy rivers and they has like the waterfall and you you can't miss it and that's like there was no way of missing it you had to go through it right you're gonna get drenched from or from the bottom up but anyway that's what it reminded me of except the lazy river is like 85 degrees and- <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> not quite well, that same water pressure it's kind of like river. a really fancy bidet wasn't it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they paid for in that lift ticket yes right. that, ex- that explains it all oh my god right. well if uh you'd like to see the links of these weather fools and see the ski lift bidet that was provided uh go to stormfrontfreaks.com and check out the show notes for episode 151 <laughs> all right now it's time for porn star storm chaser now listen a lot of storm chasers are known for maybe being a little bit animated when they get into a tornado situation. And uh, Phil did some research over the last couple <laughs> weeks. He researched porn stars and storm chasers and tried to find a few clips. And I guess, Phil, we have to try to decide which one is storm chaser and which one is a porn star. Yeah, you do. So we made a game out of this. And, and I, I do have to say this orig- originated, Greg, out of your head. You were the one that gave me this idea. <laughs> So we'll always keep that in mind. Um, but here's the game, everybody. So I'm, I'm going to play you uh, some clips, some audio clips. Listen carefully. And you all can kind of just chime in and, and tell me if you think uh, this comes from... Now, now we say porn star, and here, I, I'm going to clarify this. It's audio from a movie that deals with that stuff right so it and and not a not like a a porn movie like like an actual movie that you're probably all familiar with Uh um and i will clarify it's not necessarily a storm chaser it could be an average joe that just was filming a tornado right right right. but but we just it's easier to just say porn star storm chaser right it just rolls off the tongue a lot easier so are you guys ready for this you're all in on this game (laughs) all right so here we go here's the first clip <laughs> okay, it could sister. someone so, someone could be. I recognize that. Sto- I, I recognize it too. 
Okay, yeah, so what, what do you think? Yeah. What is it? Well, Point that's, from, that's from that's from when Sleepless Harry in met Seattle. Sally, oh, right? well, no, when Harry met Sally, yeah. Yeah. That right, that right, was right. Harry met Sally, correct? Yeah, with yeah. with a little uh, I'll have what she's having. having. Yeah. Yes, with with a little wind footage in the background to maybe throw you off. Right. It did. Oh. Uh, oh god. Yeah, Meg Ryan. That was Meg Ryan. <laughs> All right. So so here's the next, so now you guys are maybe getting the hang of this. All right, here's the next one. Boot it, Brad. Video. Oh my God, Brad! <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm gonna play Greg. it again. Play it again. Boot it, Brad. Video. Oh my God, Brad! <laughs> storm chaser. Yeah, storm chaser all the way. As a storm chaser. Yeah. I I thought when he said boot it, Brad, I thought that might be kind of maybe throw you <laughs> off a little bit. But. All right, here's the next one. Holy cow, man! Okay, porn star. Holy cow, man. Or Storm Chaser. Storm Chaser? Oh, uh, Storm Chaser, yeah. Storm Ooh. Chaser. That, that was a Storm Chaser. All right. Uh, here we go. Next one. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I know that clip. <laughs> I know that movie. Okay, what is it? What is it, Serena? Office Space. That's from Office Space. So, porn, porn star. <laughs> Given the O face. Yep. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. All right. Here we go. Next one. Oh, God. It's coming right on top of me. It's coming right on top of me. <laughs> okay. Porn star or storm chaser? Storm, storm chaser. chaser. That was Picos Hank. Yeah. That was Picos Hank. Was storm chaser. chaser. Well, how long did it take you to get these clips? All right. Not too bad. It wasn't too bad. All right. Last one. Last one. This is for the gold. <sighs> Amazing. That was really great. Oh, I. Oh, okay, one, one more time. Too. One more time. Oh, that was amazing. That was really great. Okay, storm chasers or uh, porn stars? Wedding crashers. Wedding crashers. Yeah. Wedding crashers. Very good. You guys got those. Outstanding. She's the one married to uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, isn't she? Yeah, yeah she what's is. What's her, yeah, isn't yeah. She really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. I did class. not know. See the things you learn on Stormfront Freaks podcast right, right. is absolutely <laughs> amazing. So educational. So, did you guys have fun? Was that good? Okay. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. I think that just about does it uh, for this episode of Stormfront Freaks podcast. So thank you for listening or watching. Before I announce our next guest, uh, if you like the show, don't forget to uh, go ahead and follow us. Um, and, and that way, when you follow the show, it doesn't matter what uh, podcast player you're you're listening to us on. You just hit the follow button, and you'll get notified and, and receive the latest episodes of our show. They get delivered right to your podcast player the moment we release them. So it's like you get it right away, and you can find all the various podcast player options at stormfrontfreaks.com. You can also visit stormfrontfreaks.com and find our patron link uh, to Patreon. You can check out all the ways we can do more with you And you can also help support the show, uh, whether it's the live access to view and chat during our raw video recordings or the exclusive merch. You can even join us and our guests in the green room. So just visit patreon.com slash stormfrontfreaks and you can join the team. And always a special thank you to our supporters. Special thanks, especially tonight to our guests, uh, Jen Carfagno and Justin Sneed. I was going to play the applause button and I played uh, Meg Ryan, but either one works. 
So glad the children are listening tonight. <laughs> right. Uh, so Justin and, and Jen, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight. And thank you guys. It was a blast. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so fun. freaks, how can people uh, follow you and your content? Um, Maz, I'll start with Don't you. Start with me. Don't start with me. It takes yeah. me ten minutes to remember it. Come on, Twitter. Yeah. At, Twitter at uh, uh, money, money storm for you. Money storm for number the four. U. Yeah. Letter U. There you yes. go. It's Prince. It's like I always call him Prince. He's <laughs> he's a spitting image of Prince. All right, uh, Jen. How about you? Where where can they find you? Um, at J Watson underscore WX on Twitter, and then Instagram is probably the easiest at Jennifer Weather. Very good. Serena? Everything, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is Weather Serena, W-X, and then Serena is C-Y-R-E-N-A. Awesome. And then uh, Greg and, and also your uh, photo classes. Yeah, uh, Tornado Greg on social media. And uh, you can check out uh, my photo classes on, at CameraEasy.ca where I teach photo lessons, how to use your camera that you just got at Christmas time. Very good. And, and hey, we're back in two weeks. We're recording March 3rd with Storm Chaser of the Year for 2021. Melanie Metz is going to be with us uh, for the first time. So Patreon members, you can join the recording live and the edited audio podcast will be available to everyone else the following Sunday. So here we go for Justin, Maz, Jen, Jen. We got Jen, Jen. It's like double Jen. Um, and uh, Serena and Greg, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear, and we will catch you guys next time. So, good night, everybody. It's Jen drinking Jen. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app, and watch our live and recorded shows on YouTube. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you are there, check out our live interactive Storm Chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.